This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, a horror video game podcast and proud member of Bloody Disgusting's Bloody FM podcast network. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bolt. And this week, we're taking an express elevator to hell with Tindalos Interactive's Aliens Dark Descent, a real-time strategy game set within the Aliens universe, set 19 years after the events of the original film trilogy. Aliens Dark Descent puts the player in control of a group of colonial marines who find themselves stranded on the moon of Leith and must embark on missions that pit them against, you guessed it, everyone's favorite acid-for-blood aliens, the Xenomorphs, as well as crazed cultists, Weyland yutani mercs, and other threats that the galaxy has in store for them. So Neil, it's no surprise that you and I are both massive fans of Alien and the mm-hmm. Aliens universe. You know, we've covered a number of games set within that universe already for the show. You know, yes. we chatted about Aliens Isolation, Aliens Fireteam, and Colonial you know, this is the... F- <laughs> yeah, oh yes, and Colonial Marines. How could I forget the, uh, the ill-fated uh, Colonial Marines? But, you know, for Dark Descent, it's the first time that I believe that there's been a real-time strategy game or even a strategy game, you know, format within this universe. Mm. So, you know, previously, Tindalos Interactive had done a series called Battlefleet Gothic Armada, which was another, you know, real-time strategy game. I believe it's set within the 40K universe. Yeah. Um, so they're no strangers to, you know, sci-fi strategy games. But, you know, distinctly, what I think initially stood out to me about Dark Descent from you know, an early trailer or some of the promotional material it looked like it had some comparisons to, you know, another franchise that we love, which is XCOM, mm. right? So the game basically was saying that you were going to go out on these missions, but then in between missions, there was this base management. You'd have to, you know, build facilities, research new weapons and gear for your Marines, while also, you know, having recruits and leveling them up in these things. So I thought we could start our conversation just by describing some ways that Dark Descent maybe takes some of that XCOM framework or even identity and crafts its own identity out of it using, you know, either new mechanics or just the aliens IP in general. Um, yeah, I suppose the, the main thing that is different is, you know, it's not a world at war 
or fighting back against you know, a worldwide phenomenon is literally you are situated in a small place, you versus aliens, role-playing the idea of everything that happened in aliens, you know, in terms of, like, we've got to fortify, we've got to eradicate the enemy, and, you know, all the while try and help everyone that's left. And, you know, that very simple premise turns on its head multiple times for this game. And I think, you know, crucially, the big thing is it's real-time strategy rather than turn-based. And that does bring a really different dynamic. Now, I was just saying to you before the show, when I first looked at this game, I had no XCOM feelings about it at all because the minute they said real-time strategy, I was thinking, well, it won't be anything like that now, will it be? But I was intrigued all the same because I'd like to see how that worked. Um, and you know, I was also saying to you before that you know, I, if I had a preference between the two, you know, I prefer turn-based real-time because... You know, I, I like just if I'm doing strategy, I'd like to have the time to think about what I'm doing and then execute it and then see the consequences of my action. Plays out <laughs> more scripted in a way, more dramatic in a way that I like. But there's credit in doing real time strategy as well. That And what it does here, especially for the aliens license and making it less like XCOM, is replicating that whole scenario you got in aliens of barricading and fortifying and going out to places to find stuff and always be having a sense of danger just the one thing going wrong which and that's where it takes something XCOM does very well that whole sense of someone could die in an instant like that from a, the most innocuous situation where everything looks like it's going fine and all of a sudden Alien jumps out somewhere you didn't expect. Someone splats acid on that person. They freak out, blah, blah, blah. And it just, you know. And because it just keeps going and there's no pause or, you know, time to take a breath, you're constantly left with a sense of having to push on when you don't really want to. You know, you, more than XCOM ever did, which you did have the option to, like, leave the mission area, but it was pretty much dire if you ever did that. You know, that was, like, the last resort in a mission. Here it's and uh, you couldn't return. Yeah, this is it. Here it's you know there's multiple missions on one map, and you can just bugger off. Yes, it will mean that you end up getting an escalation in the amount of uh, aliens in that area. There are measures that can be taken to sort of alleviate that too. Um, but you know, leaving is an option, and often a very wise strategy because they get stressed out very easily, especially in the early hours of the game. And you will just rinse through in no short order. And, yeah, just like XCOM, you do get attached to people after a while if they've survived a few missions and you have these great combat scenarios where they've ended up doing memorable things and you're like, yeah, that's that's that guy. And then you get those little emotional attachments from your own personal playthrough. And that, for me, is, you know, the perfect magic of XCOM. But, yeah, I think... If we're going to go say anything at all, is really selling it as a different experience uh, because there is a lot of this XCOM yeah, in, from presentation to the very fabric of how it sets everything up. But that real time aspect is the game changer for it because it presents a different kind of threat, a different kind of intensity. You know, which uh, both games do intensity in their own way, but this is very much a constant sense of dread and terror, you know, and crucially the most 
aliens like an aliens game has been. You know, I think while we applauded Fireteam Elite for not being colonial marines, it still lacked something. You know, it wasn't. You did feel like you had a bit too much power. You know, which mm-hmm. uh, you know the crucial thing of anything you say about aliens is it's showing you that no matter how much power you have, how much firepower you go into a situation, the result will be the same because you will underestimate your enemy by thinking that you are better off. You know, it's that great lesson of the 80s and, and you know, it's like with aliens and Predator. And it's like you can be big macho guys and you can get slaughtered in short order by something you don't understand. And that that's this game in a nutshell, really. And it, it throws different variants of that at you repeatedly to say, yeah, you thought you thought you were in the groove. Fuck off, you know. And that's it. <laughs> Even as somebody that spent, you know, a large part of their adolescence playing real time strategy games, whether it be Warcraft, you know, Starcraft was an obsession for basically almost a decade of my life because yeah. it was just something I kept coming back to. I was so involved in that world and the different units and mastering them and sort of coordinating these different strats and these things, and yet. When you come to something like Dark Descent, you're only controlling four Marines, Mm. but the amount of layers of mechanics that are in this game, for the first two or almost three hours, I found it to be pretty overwhelming just because of how stacked they are and how each mechanic really does tie into other mechanics in ways that you won't even see until you either, you know, lose a Marine or even have a squad wipe. And you have to learn a lot of these brutal lessons. And I think that that's probably the elements that this game draws other than, you know, the base management stuff and all of that, which we can get into, but, you know, it takes the hard lessons learned from XCOM and applies it to this in a way that I think allows this to have a level of difficulty that really is channeling that aliens experience, right? Of the fact that, you know, they're coming out of the walls, you have to be thinking on your feet and whatnot. And, you know, one thing that I changed in the settings that actually helped sort of replicate a little bit, not entirely, but a little bit of that sort of XCOM of stopping and thinking was when you press space bar and you can sort of access your special abilities that use these command points, Mm. basically to, you know, fire grenade launchers, shotgun blast, deploy a mine, these types of things. By default, that initiates like slow-mo where the Mm. enemies are still coming at you, but, you know, you have a few extra seconds, or if you go into the settings, you can actually make that a hard pause. And that's a set. Of, that's a feature that I started using because I was like, okay, this is moving so quickly. And I found that it helped me to actually like catch up and master some of these mechanics early on. And then I turned it off, you know, once I got to hour six or seven, because I was fully, you know, accustomed with those mechanics and was figuring out the different intricacies of the abilities, because, you know, you have over time with the Marines, they have this meter basically, which then can kind of give them a health boost and a morale boost and mm. these things. Also, you can spend a, some sort of resource that then gives you more command points. So there are these different sort of layers to the mechanics, but also like the equipment at the Marines disposal um, that again, early on, and even still, you know, there's moments where I find myself just being overwhelmed with how quickly you have to be adapting to things yeah. and just anticipating the different types of threats that are in each of these environments. Um, Something that you mentioned too, you know, I was such a fan of the fact that each of the environments is, you know, I would say probably twice the size of a typical, let's say an XCOM environment, and you get to keep returning to it to explore more and more of it. And, you know, that was always 
an aspect of XCOM that I was like, oh man, I would love to, you know, find more sort of just, I suppose, mini objectives within this um, environment or just be in this world for a little bit longer. And this game really does tap into that sort of, you know, the, uh, I suppose, inclination of real-time strategy. Mm -hmm. We have these larger worlds that you can kind of explore at your leisure. And the fact that it's something that you can keep coming back to over and over but at the same time, you know, just because you're leveling up your squad, you're getting a better understanding of, you know, what you might be contending with on each deployment. As each deployment goes on, you know, the world itself gets more difficult because yeah. of the fact that you have that alien infestation, which means that, you know, if you are going to take more time to let your squad heal on the ship, then the alien infestation rate is going to go up every time you don't deploy. So, you know, the world itself you might be returning to for each of the missions but that doesn't mean it's just going to be this sort of cakewalk that yeah. you, by the end of it, you're like, oh, I can just roll through this because I've done away with all of the enemies that you might encounter in a given section. No, it's this ever evolving threat that just gets more and more difficult, oh, yes. um, which can make for some really cinematic moments. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to bring one to an example, I think the first time I ever had a squad wipe was going down to find like a nest for the first time. Yeah. And like you know, saying, you know, if we can get rid of this nest, we can push this back a bit. And by that point, I really needed to because it, it was getting to a stage where if I don't finish this area now, that's it. It's going to be hell getting out of here again. Mm. And I'd been you know, returning back and forth for every couple of missions to try and, you know, I mean, one of the good things you can do is you can like seal a room off to rest while you're out there. So that can give you back some uh, of your stress levels going down and stuff like that and healing everyone up but yeah it's not like a fix-all for everything and going into that one you know where you just start descending into the you know it becomes more caked in that alien matter and everywhere and aliens are just popping out of everywhere and just you get to the sections where you know you're just going to end up in a fight a really big fight and they're the hardest because once they start introducing variants you know like you know the bull style one yeah it becomes more of a challenge because it's like it's not just your basic aliens running at you from different angles and trying to just not get acid on your guys and girls but you know avoiding charging attacks or splitting attacks or you know, whatever and then as you said you know other things like rogue operatives and whaler Utani folk it really does just mix things up um it's one of the things i've actually quite liked about the game in general uh, and the last couple of games that have been in this sort of alien game universe, have, you know, they, they've incorporated alien isolation stuff throughout. You know, the whole working Joe style of Android is now more commonplace in these games. You know, it has just yeah. become a de facto part of this alien universe, uh, which is amazing. I hope that, you know, when we get Fede Alvarez's movie, we get a bit of that as well. That'd be really cool to just sort of see that kind of um, variant of um, Android. Um, but, yeah, so it is really a storytelling dream in that regard that you can just capture the essence of those fights and those skirmishes from aliens. But you, you know, they're yours and yours alone. You're not getting, it's not choreographed, it's not a set piece. It is just, you know, you went to the wrong place at the wrong time and you were ill prepared for it. You had to think on the fly. And 
you know, as you get those abilities, you say, I wish I'd fucking heard about that pause option. <laughs> <laughs> some of the stuff I've been through, Jay. Some of the stuff yeah. I've been through. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we're going to, uh, we'll, we'll get our soapboxes to chat about some of our anecdotes of squad wipes because they are devastating in those early hours. I mean, they're devastating in the later hours too, but, you know, I think that that again is such a well lesson learned from something like XCOM that, you know, if you are not quick to sort of the curve of difficulty this game has, like you have to have that wipe early on because that's the only way that you're really going to force yourself to kind of master the mechanics, but also to realize that just because you're returning to certain areas, I don't care if you've un- how much gear you've unlocked. I don't care how hardened your squad is. Like if you start disregarding certain things like noise discipline, which you know, is for real-time strategy, it kind of floored me that they have stealth sections in this, which actually work, you know, better than I would have thought they would have worked. You know, it's not always perfect, but at the same time, it does channel the idea of like fear that, you know, you would assume, uh, you know, they would have in those types of situations and whatnot. And that just because you are the colonial Marines, as you stated earlier, you can be these big gun-toting macho guys like, you don't pick every fight you come across because that's a surefire way to stress your squad out beyond reproach, basically. And then, you know, you might as well just either rest or just extract them and come back later because they're going to be useless when things, you know, shit truly hits the fan. Um, but I think that, you know, something like stealth in a game like this, the fact that, you know, you have these sneaking sections, whether it's, you know, sneaking past sleeping xenomorphs or even just avoiding patrols of cultists or xenomorphs, you know, I love the fact that that's an added option, but, you know, you're not beholden to it. You Mm -hmm. don't have to play that way. Um, You know, granted, there's one or two little scripted areas where you do have to do that. And if you fuck it up, then you fuck it up. But the game doesn't kind of like come to a grinding halt Mm -hmm. unless, you know, you stir up the hive, basically, Um, which can make those, again, the retreading of certain environments just as stressful as the first time you're going through it because of the fact that, you know, you have that infestation rate and whatnot, and you have to be paying attention constantly to, you know, how you're traversing an environment, but also like being aware of nests and whatnot, which are scattered all throughout um, the environments, which is such a smart way to not only allow environments not to be become tiresome, Hmm. but also just the idea that like each and every run through of a mission, you need to have some sort of idea of like why you are deploying. Mm. You know, it can't be this thing where it's like, oh, I'll just try to hit everything I missed the last time. It's like, no, no, no. If you try to do that more or less, you're going to just wipe your squad. And so it's a nice way to sort of like check the player, I think, when they get a little overzealous. Because yeah. I don't know about you, I definitely had a few runs early on where I was like, oh, I'll squeeze in another secondary objective. Yeah. <laughs> and then I lose two of my best guys because I'm like, oh, I just killed a queen pretty easily. I can kill anything. Yeah. And then I get swarmed and I'm out of command points. My guys are out of ammo and one of them's unconscious and now can only use a secondary while I'm carrying this guy. And it, it's this devolving nightmare that, you know, is ter- is legitimately terrifying when you have that attachment to the yeah. guys or gals. And um, the fact that they're able to replicate some of that terror from the movie itself is pretty amazing, I think. You know, yeah. that's something we've talked about a lot is how... Alien and Aliens games have struggled a lot with the tone, right? You have Mm. Colonial Marines, which for the problems that game has, like at the same time, it doesn't really understand what made Aliens scary or work. And, you know, to have a game like this that, you know, effectively removes your perspective a little bit, you're not in the boots of the Marines, you're playing this commander top-down view. 
and it's more terrifying than being in their shoes at times um, is quite an achievement, I think, in adapting the IP to real-time strategy for the very first time. Yeah, it really does. It's mad how you can have that perspective and it feels so intense. You know, it's not surprising at this point, as I said, because you know, games like XCOM have done that brilliantly. Uh, that's more of a case of, you know, you make the action, then you have to sort of sit helpless and see what how that unfolds. And it's like a morbid horror sort of fascination thing when you know, everything you've planned out just starts falling to pieces and, and you see, you know, Someone dies here, someone dies there, someone's like Whereas here, it's just like everything can just be gone like that in an instant, you know. And the amount of times I've got into situations where, like, shit, I need to go get back out of here, regroup, and you, know, you can't run down fast enough, and then you've got to find your way back, and you'll remember the routes, and you know, without looking at the maps, a lot of the times that's fucking difficult, and you don't want to look at the maps yeah. because everything's still moving while you're looking at the map. And it's just like <laughs> those little bleeps on the motion tracker just drive you insane as you're trying to get out yeah. of anywhere and so a lot of panicky shooting and going i mean it's it's a damn relief that they will just shoot on site but you know if you get caught on the wrong corner or something that's it you know they won't see something until the last second even if you know it's there mm. and you know if you haven't got like the right action point to do like a shotgun blast or whatever then yeah it's gonna go wrong and uh the stress levels are gonna go higher and yeah, it's very much one of the first times I think one of these games that kind of goes for that XCOM vibe of death is around any corner thing that really gets it, you know, and, and really just understands the beautiful simplicity of like of punishing you for your failures, but it kind of feeling like part of the, the process, you know, and it really feeling like something that you're supposed to be striving for because it will teach you. It's a teacher moment. You know, I used to hate losing in video games like that. You know, I, I hate just getting killed. And even like even in the early XCOMs in the nineties, I wasn't a fan of actually getting the squads wiped out. But you know, as soon as you finally finish a mission with just one guy, because everyone has got wiped out, it, it's just that's that was the moment it clicked in my brain. It was like, oh my god, that was amazing. You know, even though the reality of it is. No, it was shit. You were terrible, but you got lucky enough to have one person <laughs> care of that. But you know, it's like you just—it changes the way you look at each situation. You know, it's, there are times in this game where you will just come out with one person alive, get to the APC, and that, and just be thanking the Lord that you had someone that got out of it, even though they'll probably be out of commission for God knows how long or whatever. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's, it's like it wasn't a total waste, and you did get that objective and ah uh, yeah it, it has great moments like that you know, throughout yeah you know, it doesn't always work in that regard i think there are times where it's just needlessly frustrating and needlessly just chucking a lot of stuff on you but you know it's rare you know it's, i think generally it's quite fair in warning you what you're getting into and how prepared you should be yeah, the later you get in, and the more variables there are, the more maddening it can be when you just everything you've planned for just can fall apart very quickly, you know, like that. And you know, even if it's just to hit one mission like that, it can go wrong before you even get in the door, you know. And yeah, it, 
I think it's still a lesson you learn with games that do that. You know, I think XCOM is a great example again because I, I've spent so many, 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 many hours failing campaigns and getting slightly frustrated at that, but always learned something from it, you know, to the point where it never left you. I think that's another key thing here. It's like what it does is no matter how much you master, there are things you just will not be able to, you know, get around very easily. You know, you can be very good at the game like this and still get caught out in a moment. And I think that is showing that the game, you know, that, you know, it's an understanding of what this game has to do rather than just be, you know, an escalating series of, oh, it's getting harder, it's getting harder, it's getting harder. You know, it's not always like that. It's just a case of your feelings of comfort which, as we said, is is great for that, this sort of game where you are being the Marines, and that's the idea. You have this much power, but the enemy you face is still an unknown, even for us, having known what aliens are uh, and what they can do. There are so many ways they can come at you and so many things they can do, and now there's so many different types of them. And now with other threats in the environment, it's just something that's going crazy you know any given situation can just go so many different ways uh, the further you get in because anyone could join in at the wrong moment um which yeah i think out of the two games that have come since alien isolation i think this really does take a lot of things on board from it whilst being a completely different genre Mm. um you know from the stealth from noise appreciation um to you know having different threats and making them viable threats throughout you know um yeah i know fireteam elite did a bit of that but i think fireteam elite was very much the course correction from colonial marines yeah um with a bit of that flavor from alien isolation where this just feels like the next game in this path that we were supposed to take this the alien series and and that's what i'm glad there seems to be joined up thinking with the game since Colonial Marines. You know, even though they're going to different studios with different ideals, they're all teams that in some way, shape or form understand what they're doing and they capture at least some bit of what it was supposed to be. You know, like um, Fight Team Elite was a bit of that. This just feels more like it. it. Like I said, it is the most Aliens game I've ever played and that's amazing. Yeah. That's the best thing to have yeah. about it. Absolutely. And I think that a big part of that, too, comes back to just, you know, the infestation rates, but also the uh, nests or the hives that are scattered throughout, that the game is not overly reliant on like a typical type of AI director, right? That's type of thing that is often uh, part of the marketing where it's like, oh, the AI director, if, you know, a player is, you know, going on a tear, then they're going to ratchet up the difficulty, which then can sometimes end up feeling artificial, right, in the actual execution of it. Whereas something like this, it does such a great job, I think, of separating scripted moments and non-scripted moments, right? For everything that's tied to the narrative, you get this warning kind of like, if your squad is not prepared, you are more than likely not going to survive this nice, Mm. this next encounter, which I think is a nice precursor that I don't necessarily mind because... It's informing me that, you know, know, this is not a moment that should be taken lightly, but that's because it's tied directly to the narrative and the progression of that. But then throughout the rest of the experience, again, if if a engagement feels like it is, 
you know, overly difficult or more challenging than it should be, it's probably because I myself have made some type of Mm -hmm. tactical error or calculation error in how I should approach something. And I find that to be a nice discrepancy in terms of experiences, which allows you to really, you know, capture the fear again of aliens, which is a remarkable thing. The first time a game has really captured aliens and what made that film special and the tone and the vibe of that um, in a way that doesn't feel like it's just, you know, hordes and hordes and hordes of xenomorphs, which would have given us an experience not unlike Colonial Marines probably, Mm. right? Which fundamentally misunderstands the utilization of, you know, these xenomorphs. And that's something that I'm really happy to see this game, you know, so far, I'm about 10 hours, 12 hours into it. Um, The fact that this game doesn't have that issue where it's like, oh, we're just going to throw 20 xenomorphs at you at a single time and you just mow them down like they're nothing. No, it's usually, you know, there's between three and six, depending on sort of how uh, much you fucked up or how much noise you've been making. (laughs) And the fact that if I see one or two of them charging at me, I still treat it with the same level of fear that I do if it was five or six because of how much damage they can do to your guys and how much they will fuck them up if you're not paying attention, specifically with the handling of... um, you know, acid for blood, yeah. which as soon as you see a xenomorph come towards you, you have your guys start to back up so they can get out of that splash radius. Because otherwise, yeah, that could throw off your entire sort of defensive uh, positioning. Yeah, it really could. And, you know, I think one of the things of combat that is crucial to that is the fact that, as I said, they keep shooting as they're going. And, you know, you do, all you have to do is move, which, you know, if you're not really into real-time strategy, is like a very interesting sort of thing to get used to. Yeah, because there are many times we would just sort of stop, stare, let things happen and go, I should have moved them, fuck, like that. And, you know, then before you know it, you are caught in those bad situations. Um, you know, it's not a problem, though, I think. Um, you know, it, it's doing everything a real-time strategy should do in that regard. And, you know, the alien threat, small or not, the thing you end up thinking is, you have this little hesitancy about what you're doing because you know that killing them means noise, which means more of them, potentially. So you know that if you're going to kill them, you've got to get out of that area as soon as possible because you could invoke, you know, a hunt, you know, on you or or whatever. And, you know, when you get the other enemies, the same thing applies and like that. And, you know, one of the things I didn't really get into when we were talking about the differences in terms of how much of this is XCOM structured and how much isn't. I think that final escape isn't always final necessarily, but any time you need to get out there and you get to the, you, you call the APC in and you get to it just in time for it to, you know, the automated turret to just sort of start taking out aliens. It's just the most wonderful feeling. And the, 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 it is up there with that feeling in, in an XCOM campaign where you just, you know, get to the end of one of those run missions where you have to just keep going forward, going forward whilst being hunted, and, and you finally get to this the target point for extraction. And oh god, yeah, they were among my favourite missions in those games because it's just so intense trying to keep an eye on what the enemies are, but also keep moving forward so you don't get overwhelmed too early. But knowing that doing so means you may be more vulnerable because you didn't take out those who were there. As they add more numbers, and, you know that you know in a real time sense that is very applicable here, but because you are 
not getting those breaks to think, uh, you know, you, I mean, you get it, as you say, with the, like, the combat pauses and stuff like that that you can create. But, you know, otherwise, you are basically, you know, just rolling with the punches as they go. And, and this is, again, just one of the great things about what it's doing. You know, it, it may not work for everyone. And I think there are times, I must say, that it didn't. But when it really clicks... And you get that moment where you just escape into the APC and just decide to fuck off out of there. <sighs> they have the best moments. <laughs> no matter what the consequences of it, they just feel like the sweetest relief if you can get a whole team out of there. Having done something, faced odds that meant you know they were stressed out, they were getting freak, they were freaking out on the job and acid scarred and whatever, and you got them all home. You feel like you you've uh, triumphed, basically. Yeah, I have to say, the last mission that I played before we started recording, um, I was down to two Marines that were on their feet, and then the other two were preoccupied with carrying uh, unconscious. I think it was civilians that I'd freed or something, and the APC was in a different part of the map, and so I had to call it in, and then. You know, just by the skin of my teeth, as soon as I was being pursued by a, a horde of cultists that I really couldn't take care of because of the fact that my squad was basically down to like 50% yeah. efficiency and having the APC roll up just as I stepped out of a bunker and, you know, it mowing down this horde that was following me was you know, one of the best moments I think I've had in games this year because it captures that feeling that you mentioned of, you know, something like XCOM where you get to the XVAC site at just the right second when you've got either one turn left or the enemies are closing in and you're about to lose your VIP target, that type of thing. Um, but also, you know, periodically there are these little cinematic moments that are found within different environments. You know, early on when they introduce one of the drone runners, yeah. uh, which is just, you know, the Xenomorph from uh, the third film that basically runs uh, much faster than the other ones. And it's kind of pursuing you down this hallway, basically. And you have to, you know, get to the end of the hallway while being pursued and, yeah. you know, cutting through a door and whatnot. And if you, you know, fall behind or you, you know, dilly dally, then they're just going to keep coming down that hallway. And that was like a moment that was probably like 20 minutes into me being in that level and was very unexpected mm. and very cinematic. And it, you know, has this little moment that doesn't feel like, it dictates the entire experience or it throws me a curveball that's like insurmountable, but it's just like this little injection of tension mm. or terror um, at the right moment that ultimately doesn't feel, I suppose, restrictive in terms of it being scripted because it is such a short segment, right? Yeah. It's not like, oh, you do one or two missions that you have full freedom and then you're kind of linear uh, push down this corridor or this path. And you know, the fact that they have that sort of even-handed handling of that was really a smart utilization, I think, of both non-scripted sequences, but then having scripted sequences and using those at just the right moment. Um, but I think we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to chat a little bit more about stress and resource management during the deployment of missions and then some of the base management stuff, yeah. as well as how Aliens Dark Descent handles soldiers and classes and the base management and whatnot. But more on that in a moment. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. 
So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And we are back from our break. And one thing that I was really taken with in terms of the game's utilization of real-time strategy, and again, building off of some of that framework of XCOM is how efficient your squad can be in a mission and how just because you sort of take a loss, if you will, in terms of, I suppose, a setback, not a loss. Mm. You know, if your guys become overly stressed or if you start to take a substantial amount of damage for a certain unit or even if you lose a squad mate, that doesn't mean necessarily that the mission itself has been a complete loss or that you can't sort of regroup and get a second win. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as I love XCOM, that was something that periodically I struggled with because I was like, well, should I just do a reload here? Because there's really no salvaging this, whether it's <laughs> there's some type of turn-based uh, requirement where you have to f- finish in a certain amount of uh, turns or you know, inevitably at the very end of a mission, you face like a big baddie or something that I'm like, oh, well, I have to have everybody at full capacity <laughs> yeah. and fully uh, charged and whatnot. Uh, well, you, and in, I was going to say, you see that that's why I don't do permadeath all the way. So it's like, uh, it's no, safe, no safe scrubbing for me. <laughs> it's like, it right. adds, adds to the drama. <laughs> well, I'm a coward, so I uh, don't play that way. <laughs> but um you know, I think something like being able to weld doors and create a rest area, which basically uh, allows your guys to recover from, I forget what the terminology is, but like almost near death injuries. Mm. Um, so they can stay in the fight, but then you still have to go about and heal them. And at the same time, you know, managing stress in a mission, which is a factor that I think, again, plays into the sort of fear aspect of this game. But the fact that you can manage that and it's up to the player to really decide, okay, am I going to use my limited amount of health resources to either literally heal health points or to manage their stress, which Mm. can have multiple levels to it. And the fact that the more you explore an environment, you can find more of those resources, which then can give you, again, the second wind almost for a current run. Um, So I'm just a fan of the fact that the game allows for you to basically bug out, head back to your base whenever you want, but at the same time, giving you the tools to stay in the fight, essentially. Even if you know, you know, it's a short-term fix because by the time your squad gets out of there, no matter how many uh, stress levels you heal and hit points you heal, they're going to be in that med bay for a good long while. Yeah, I mean, the tactics part is um, very much there to be seen. And, you know, it's, you know, smart deployment of it really can just save everything from going wrong very quickly as i said and the more you get into it in most situations as as you get further in the game you've learned enough from this and maybe other games that where you're gonna have problems what you need to do where you should call the apc what room might be good um to hold up in if there's a problem you end up sort of scouting situations a bit more and yeah, you know, I also like that you know you can hack into networks to find out you know to see the security feed to find out what's in certain rooms ahead of time, which you know if there's good supplies and things in certain places can be really helpful. 
um, oh, giving, yeah. giving you extra stuff to use on a mission, you know, like when you get introduced turrets and things. Um, that That is one of the early godsends because you can station one. <laughs> yeah, you, you can station one, pick it up and again and use it again and again and again. And he's repairing, obviously, if it gets um, beaten up by aliens. But the more tools you get, the more you learn to use them in tandem for a situation and like even in in escape you know like having a flame unit sort of laying down flame as you come out of an area it, it can just cause them to be just back off that little bit for long enough that you can just get out um but you know in a panic you, that could also go very wrong um in other ways so again that balance isn't it you know again where you are just all the tools at your disposal you just have to have the thought to go with it you know to think on your feet and use them as they should be in a certain situation now that's why you kind of have to fail that's why you have to put the time in because it's the only way you're going to start learning what you have because especially early on as you said very overwhelming lots of stuff coming your way you often just plain forget what you have on your plate you know like the amount of times i forgot the shotgun yeah, blast yep. thing, and just like when it would be useful, and then by the time I remembered, you know, because I didn't know the hard pause thing, I, yeah, the damage is done, uh, and your uh, time was up on it. But um, I very quickly got into the act of like, if I saw um, you know, motion tracking sensors nearby, I could get a vague idea of what it meant. You know, are they in here? Are they actually going to be able to get where I am? And if not, what you know fine carry on and if so contingency plans set up you know a perimeter they're the moments where you you have just enough time to think um you know the game's not constantly just throwing shit at you and saying deal with it you know there are moments like that but generally you get just enough forewarning to say yes this is what you need you know something's going to be coming you kind of know what you're heading into prepare accordingly and yeah that works quite well for the most part you know i think you do just generally get the right stuff and you know when you pull off a plan it almost feels too easy you know when you've mowed down a whole bunch of xenos coming at you um because you laid up that, that turret or whatever and you sealed the doors going to the other side and yeah, it's great to pull off a plan that just feels like it was your plan, not something the game told you you had to do. Uh, and, you know, the flexibility that the game offers is really good, generally, I think. There is nothing more satisfying than setting up a defense with those turrets and then either laying a mine or just setting up this basically like a flame wall with your flamer units. Like, that has been, those have been some of the most satisfying moments yeah. that I've had with this game and that you set up these defenses. And they just kind of throw the masses at you in these brief little cinematic sort of set pieces. But at the same time, you know, to the credit of the fact that there is no real sort of like AI director scaling against your progress. The fact is, is that, you know, if you're going to one area, like there's a section early on when you're dealing with cultists that have taken hostages, basically, and you Mm -hmm. have to hack a computer, access the camera so you can find a vantage point to go in and take them out and rescue the hostages and based on the location of those uh, cultists, it was near a hive of xenomorphs. And naturally, if you're going to get into this long, loud firefight, 
the hive is going to get stirred up. And the infestation level, of course, was quite high at that point. So <laughs> I was anticipating a horde. And what I did along the route there was just lay down sentry turrets to cover my flank for inevitably when the xenomorphs would show up. And that ended up being this incredibly satisfying moment of just planning, not to give myself too much a pat on the back, but <laughs> back. But it was the type of thing where it's like, I didn't realize that the first time through. I think I had a squad wipe because before I did all of that planning, I just ran in there and then there was this never ending horde of xenomorphs that took out all my guys. And so on the second playthrough, though, that taught me, oh, okay, you need to think about your escape strategy, your exit plan, just as much as your assault plan. Yeah. And that's kind of how I've approached every single encounter moving forwards with the game. And at the same time, you know, you can still try to think you have the best plan out there. But if one thing goes wrong, you have to be able to sort of move around uh, on your feet and just yeah. like be like, OK, well, you know, you have to contend for everything or look for another exit. Typically, there's more than one route in and out of an environment or a location. And it's determined upon, you know, how is your squad makeup? You know, am I just medics and gunners, but I don't have a techie, so I can't use this door as an mm. escape route, which, you know, is another hard lesson learned that I, that I learned where I was like, oh, you know, I'll just have two smart guns and then I'll have a sniper and then I'll have a medic. And then all of a sudden I've backed myself into a corner <laughs> with a door that I can't access because I don't have the hacking perk, yeah. um, which, you know, was a mistake I only made once. <laughs> but it's the type of thing where there's a nice level of depth, I think, and it's probably the only real example of it where... You have to pick your squad so that way you can interact with the environment differently, which is having somebody that has that hacking perk. Um, at least I couldn't think of any other instances like that where mm. a specific squad mate can interact with the world differently than everybody else. Yeah, I was liking that to sports games, you know, the idea that you are just you're sorting your tactics, sending out the best team for the job with the players that have particular skills and then just seeing what you can get out that out you can plan and plan and plan obviously there are going to be things that you couldn't plan for or you didn't see in your planning you know and that's probably why i enjoy games that do this very much because yeah i love that in you know, football slash soccer uh games because yeah that's it's a thing i've done for years and years you know that's my comfort gaming zone so any game that kind of gets that you know um really kind of gets me on that level and you know this is another great example of that where you do just you know build the team you want and think you will need for every opposition if you will and yeah generally if you when you plan it out well and it works out it's amazing and you feel like the best ever in terms of your management and of course if you fuck it up because you failed to take in one factor that just ruined everything like oh i'll bring a sniper on this mission guess what it's all really enclosed and tight and just <laughs> it's kind of pointless yep. like that you know it, you suddenly feel a bit foolish but um it's all right you know um it, it makes sense you know i think to have that sort of um squad level thing and then again having that affection for certain squad members because of what they've done also feeds into that sports vibe where you are just, you know, you get your favourites and, you know, your old reliables. You know, I suppose in sporting terms, it'd be like an injury. You know, if you were to lose them or a transfer or whatever, here it's, you know, death, but it it still really just goes, hits you when you lose someone that's been really good and have been like a really faithful 
um, squad mate for a long time and has been the one that's got you out of jams. You know, they almost feel like a cheat code to you, you know, to have someone doing exactly that. And then that means you've now got to go and build someone up that does the same job. Now, again, in a very sporting sense, you know, if you were managing, managing a team, you'd have someone to back you up on that and have someone who could take that role if someone is injured or tired or whatever. But obviously, you've got all these other things to concentrate on. And that's the, that's what this game does so well, is overwhelm you with things that you suddenly go, oh, I forgot to plan for that. I forgot to plan for that. It's like you have your base level of plans, you know, like these are what these are the guys I'm going to take out into a mission. This guy does that. This guy does that. This one does that. Like that. And then you forget about the backup ideas. What happens if they're dead? Like that. And then you find yourself going, shit, now I've got to start again. Like that. <laughs> because you don't see the point in like cultivating people who aren't going to be going on every mission or, you know, um, I mean, most of the time, if they do get to come on a mission, it's because you're forced to because of injury. But still, it's nice ways to sort of find this organic idea of like new heroes, if you will, in in your uh, fight. You know, I think that this really addresses a great design element of Dark Descent in that, you know, you can't take any enemy lightly, right? Mm. I think that even in something like XCOM, I'm just going to keep coming back to that as my point of reference, but like there are certain enemies in that game that once you get past the first few missions, you're like, this specific type of grunt enemy, if you will, is not an issue. And it will never be an issue necessarily, right? Unless, you know, your guy has one health and it comes up behind you. But, you know, there's certain enemies that you get a certain amount of comfortability with when you see them pop up or just whatever. And in Aliens Dark Descent, I still don't feel that way about any types of xenomorphs because they all pack a punch. They all have, you know, acid for blood again, where that can be, a handful and even the cultists like there's a cultist that runs at you with like a shovel and i still don't want him anywhere near my guys (laughs) because he can do enough to sort of debase us and i think that one thing that i was really appreciative of in terms of the base management side of things with dark descent is that you know the i suppose the cost of equipment and the speed with which you can unlock equipment Mm. feels like it is not nearly as a lengthy process as it is in something like XCOM. I think that, you know, the cost generally for new equipment is relatively low. And so, you know, it doesn't take you a couple of hours or a couple of days in terms of waiting for something to like have a lengthy research period or anything like that. And I think that when the threat is in some instances much more heightened and you really can't take any enemy for granted or just, you know, view them as being a cakewalk, Mm. giving the player the tools in a quicker fashion makes sense for that balance. Um, which I was, again, really a fan of because sometimes uh, I've had a few XCOM runs and granted because it was my own stupidity or my ill planning. But, you know, the type <laughs> of thing where I was like, oh, I've got this mission that I can't keep passing up because otherwise, you know, the world ends or this or that. And I'm still waiting on a piece of gear to research that would basically make that encounter that much more manageable. And so to in this game to have every encounter feel like it's you know, a counter that could end up in a squad wipe and I've got gear when I need it, Mm. the onus becomes more on me and how I use that gear rather than this sort of arbitrary waiting period, if you will, to get that gear. Um, And I'm using the, I'm not trying to do a one-to-one comparison, but just in terms of a game like this that has quelled one of my frustrations with certain games that try to replicate the XCOM sort of base management metagame aspect 
Um, I'm continually impressed with Dark Descent and how it finds that balance. Because um, again, it keeps coming back on me. Am I understanding the mechanics and utilizing the mechanics to the best of my abilities? And, you know, I think furthermore, that comes into play with the reloading mechanic, as well as the action points yeah. mechanic, where, you know, periodically, you're going to have to reload your guns, right? Each guy has that ammo counter. And, you know, you have a limited amount of reloads, basically, because much like a sort of maintenance uh, resource, health resource, you also have an ammo resource, which can be used for reloading guns, reloading uh, smart guns, turrets, and uh, blowing up these sort of obstacles that you come across. Mm. But there is this really nice balance between when to utilize squad firearms, which have this, you know, they have a very finite amount of uses. But at the same time, you have action points, which are constantly regenerating yeah. over a small period of time that can be used for shotguns, flamethrowers and the like. And finding a balance between when to utilize your squad's weapons and then the special abilities at the sort of key moments really can speak to the life or death nature of every single engagement. And that I found, again, kind of fundamentally makes each of the encounters you have with no matter the enemy type something that you can't take lightly because if I choose to be careless and, oh, I'm just going to use up all my action points, all of a sudden in the next door, there's one of those bull xenomorphs that I need those grenades mm -hmm. for, or I need a mine for, or suppressive fire, right? And that adds a facet to combat that I'm continually, I find to be very rewarding. Yeah, it's that, it comes back to that hesitancy, you know, where no matter what you go into a combat situation thinking that the things will suddenly click in your mind that go, hang on. If I do this now, what does it mean for later? Yeah, it always has that in, in your mind. It's like you can deal with right now, but right now means something else will happen as a result of what you did, whether that be alerting a whole bunch of them or you know, going into the next section and finding you don't have everything you need because you just used it up or you know, what turned out to be rather meaningless. You know? um, yeah. So yeah, that's a great way of using your firepower against you. I think that you can, you know, you have all that power, but you know, it almost kind of teases you into using it you know, and say, when you don't need to, so that when the situation comes up where you do need it, you, you are fucked. And if you try and take the other route and go, well, I'll be conservative and use it up. You know, you are putting yourself at more danger for the squad because you aren't protecting them as well as you could and then sending them into that situation that is more uh, intense with them at a higher stress level or more injured or more tired or whatever so yeah, it, it really is just gambling sometimes you know in a way that isn't an unfair way of doing it because you can't just gamble on things and in, in, in life and like that because that's the nature of it you, you have to make an educated guess if you will about what your situation is going to be and sometimes it's better to go gung-ho first sometimes it's better to go cautious you won't know until you've tried and unfortunately yeah the, the consequences of that are a bit more dire but in a situation like this <laughs> but you know you, you live and you learn isn't really applicable here but um <laughs> but you, you you die horribly and learn it is definitely one I guess the final thing I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up was what did you think of the narrative for this? Because, you know, something like, again, XCOM has always had a narrative, but it's never been the focal point. And I think that with Dark Descent, 
Tyndall Interactive kind of went an extra step with the narrative. And I'm curious, you know, how did it work for you? Did you find it to be overbearing? Did you find it to be a welcome addition to Dark Descent? What did you think? I think it adds something. I mean, it's not like mind-blowing or anything, but it it, it does stuff that, um, you know, the S.D. Perry novels used to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Alien Isolation did quite well, you know, adding a bit of flavor to an already established world. Um, you know, yeah, when you look at the worst examples of it, you know, like your colonial marines, uh, they're the ones that try to retcon what we've done and like just don't make sense and don't really get what they're doing. They're not adding anything to the conversation, you know. And I was saying earlier how you know this kind of carries the torch on from isolation and you know narratively is one of the big ways i think in that it keeps that idea that there are things going on out there beyond just that one time or that second time and uh how each event could be just you know enclosed in one area and not forgotten about, but hushed away by the people who had the money to hush these things away. You know, that was constantly a thing in like the S.D. Perry novels, uh, where you would have these horrible situations and they, you know, wash them away somewhat and, um, you know, give a reason why they're not part of the canon. And, you know, even a lot of the more modern sort of alien stories have a bit of that, you know. Um, yeah, I think actually one of my favourite stories in recent years is that adaptation of what happened at Hadley's Hope, you know, in that time between that first phase hugger and the Marines getting there. Like that, you know, and that's a really great little um, story being told. I think it's an, an audible book only, though. Mm. But, um, you know, it just introduces you to, you know, familiar elements of the story. But... Yeah, and you know what's going to happen, obviously, but it's still told in a really tragic way that um, is intense and exciting. Because you're kind of, well, what happens to this character? What happens to that character? You know, there's aspects of that here, you know, that you are just getting invested. You know, I mean, XCOM's strength, to be fair, is that by having a very simple, structured idea of what it wants to do with the narrative, it lets everything else be, feel very organic and like, you know. Absolutely. You know, um, whereas here you do kind of sometimes feel a little more regimented. Um, and, you know, the game overs are game overs in a very normal sense. Um, squad wipes are basically like start again. That's it sort of thing. And yeah, that, that, that's something I'm really on board with if you're going to do that. But, um, you know, I think as a story, it, it's probably one of the better ones, you know, for this universe of, uh, games. And yeah, well, that's not hard. Yeah, that it's, ni- it's <laughs> right. nice to see that we are getting yeah. a bit more consistency with that, um, with games uh, as they've gone forward from that terrible point 10 years ago. I think I live in fear, mostly thanks to something like Colonial Marines, of just the sort of like shitty banter, mm. right? With the squad mates where it's just like, oh, good kill. Or we have to listen to, you know, I keep this for close encounters yeah. 9,000 times during the course of this game. I mean. And the fact that you get. <laughs> it, it does it occasionally, but yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying like you can, you're not going to not have those sort of lines and moments. But the fact that this game places more of an emphasis on a narrative 
that plays out during specific missions and you know, I suppose all missions to a certain degree. But the fact that it just it makes it feel a little bit more involved, I suppose. And, you know, the production value of this entire game, I think, is, you know, is not um, is carried over to not only the voice acting, but also the writing. And, you know, it's not mind blowing stuff, but I think that it does a good enough job of giving you the basis for the mission. But more importantly, a context that makes sense for exploring more of the sort of into the weeds of the aliens IP, if you will. The fact that you get to explore these other types of permutations of xenomorphs. You have the cultists angle, which I think is a great narrative angle to tie into more that is only something we really got to see in the dark horse comics from back in the day. And to see that be the focal point of certain chapters of this game is fantastic. The fact that you get to see new creations, which is, you know, like the guardians, which are basically the, this merger between cultists that are cyborgs that then are implanted with, um, they're actually incubators for facehugger aliens yeah. that then, you know, can fight alongside the xenomorphs. Like that whole aspect of it, I love because I'm seeing them utilize more of the IP. You know, we saw that with Fireteam Elite a little bit, but that didn't really make sense because of how everything was sort of jam packed together. You're yeah. dropped into this mission right after the next. It lacked a little bit of that connectivity, I think. And yeah. with this, the way in which it's presented, it at least is plausible for the narrative that's being told. Um, And I think ultimately, you know, that just benefits combat because you get to have these different types of enemies that then force you to mix up your combat style. And you can never really truly get too comfortable because of the fact that, you know, the threats are ever evolving. And to a certain point, they end up being mixed in together with these different um, enemy types and whatnot. But yeah, you know, I think ultimately... It wasn't a mind-blowing narrative, but I liked that I felt more involved with what I was doing rather than sort of just a series of missions where it's like you need to wipe out everything in this environment. And it provided a little more of a variety of dialogue in these things instead of, again, what I was sort of bitching about, which was sort of just the typical squad banter, which I think at this point we've uh, established is pretty bad majority of the time, <laughs> uh, not just within the Aliens games, but just in general. Yeah. Um, so to have some semblance of the narrative playing out in real time with the missions, um, I thought was a nice framework and structure to Dark Descent, um, ultimately. Yeah, uh, ultimately it is definitely there. I mean, if you get the only shortcomings in it, as we said, uh, just like the, the general dialogue in missions it is very repetitive, I suppose. Uh, you have a lot of repeated lines in terms of when you're directing them, where they go. Um, you know, I, I don't want to end on a bad note, but I think it does, is worth mentioning some of the, you know, the failures of the game. I think technically there are a lot of issues now. If, if it's like it's going many, in any way, it's the fact that on console it has <laughs> some technical problems that um, can infuriate. Uh, one of mine especially was turrets i could not get to place them the way they're supposed to go they were stuck at Hmm. one angle like constantly so i could never place them straight on where i needed them like that that, they would just be like side on like and that went on for like an hour and a half and then i had to start again yeah i know stuff like that and you know i know that other people have had similar issues of like it being a bit broken here and there it's fixable stuff generally so I, i think that you know They'll, they'll get around to fixing it. That's the main thing. 
Right. He says, as a long-time XCOM fan who still looks at the <laughs> PS4 version of XCOM 2... Oh, God. <laughs> that, ...that is broken to the fucking hilt. Um, yeah. Still. Yeah. But, you know, it's not for Axis, so... It could very what did well. you uh what did you play on ps5 yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. i played on pc and i i was kind of surprised to go back and read some reviews after you know i'd spent about 12 hours with the game and just seeing that there were so many technical issues and then on pc it, i mean i haven't had any issues um which has been great and that was the type of thing that's a bummer but at the same time as you said that's the type of stuff that you know a patch will surely rectify exactly um, and you know, I think even in terms of maybe some of the reviews that have not been as glowing, perhaps as, you know, our conversations largely been positive about it. You know, it's the type of thing that um, I think overall the game itself just on so many fundamental levels gets aliens yeah. in a way that, you know, it's able to apply that to a gameplay style such as real time strategy that's never been done before, to my knowledge. And it turned out as well as it did. I think, you know, you can kind of overlook some of the technical hiccups, especially oh, yes. knowing when they're going to be, of course, rectified, given sort of the amount of success I think this game has had. Um, and it's the type of thing also where it's such a strong foundation that in terms of whether they go down a DLC route, it's very easy to see how they could continue yeah. some, an experience like this, which I think, if anything, makes me even more excited for it, because when you have... You know, even with Alien Isolation and that had DLC, it wasn't necessarily a continuation of that game. Yeah. It was sort of like yeah, challenge modes yeah. and whatnot, if you will. These little bite-sized, which is not a bad thing, no, but at the it, same time... It was a thing at the time, uh, really. You know, it's like that That was DLC at the time. It's like, here's more story from a different perspective. Here's more story. And that, that was a way to do things. Now, it, I think you do have two ways of doing it. And uh, we were sort of talking about uh, Fireteam Elite and the differences there and how they sort of shoehorned a bunch of stuff from different eras, if you will, in the alien storytelling. That's because it was a live service or a style game, you know, where, mm-hmm. you, where that's what you rely on. It's like, it doesn't matter if it fits the narrative necessarily. You just add it, you know, because people want it. Um, whereas here is, you know, that, that joined up thinking we were talking about earlier is here and everything about it feels like connected. Like everything feels like it, is a part of this world in the time it takes place. And you know, that, that is always a good sign. And when you are having a game that is single player based, generally uh, it's much easier to do that. Uh, but yeah, so, but still it is nice to know that they could go any number of directions and explain it away perfectly fine in the story. And, uh, I'd be intrigued by it. Absolutely. And it's great just to see, you know, a viable path for DLC. And again, the fact that they're getting more into the weeds of the Aliens IP, but they're they're taking the time and the care, I think, to connect those dots yeah. a little bit more than we've seen in the past. Um, just makes you really happy for the future, along with, you know, getting some of those technical hiccups um, rectified, hopefully within the coming, you know, weeks, if, you know, they're not already being addressed uh, as we're recording this, but... Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, the fact that we're seeing the Aliens IP grow in a significant way in terms of branching out with different types of experiences and clearly developers are learning from the mistakes of past Aliens games Mm. that were very much latching onto maybe the wrong aspects or not fundamentally understanding 
what makes Aliens such a timeless experience um, is just something as a fan of the films, obviously you love to see, but more importantly, as you know, a gamer that loves the films, getting to see experiences that are really grasping that yeah. and showing that just because, you know, it's a movie game at the same time, you can use that IP in new and exciting ways that feel just as, if not more so, uh, refreshing and exciting. Yep. So I, I fully await someone having a crack at a puzzle survival alien free game next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that there's going to be a, a, whether it's a full fledged or a hacking mini game of a, you know, a Joe, uh, Joe Android. I could yeah. definitely see that at some point in the future, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait and see, but you know, it's great to just, you know, continually see that brand that we both love so much grow and grow um, is you just love to see it. Yeah. But as always, it's a pleasure chatting horror with you for Safe Room. Back at you. Until the next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod for show updates. As always, our new episodes for Safe Room drop every Monday, but our bite-sized episodes of Horror Bites are Indie Horror Showcase release every Thursday. You can follow our Horror Bites Twitter account at HorrorBites underscore SR. Join our Discord channel, Safe Room Podcast, chat with us and other horror fans about the genre we all love. And finally, you can send emails to saferoompod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we're going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.